Hey guys, welcome back to Modify Lifestyle. I am your host, Andrew. And it's your boy, Ranch. And today we got an exciting duo of cars we're going to talk about. So to start things off, we have the new 2022 Golf R that was recently announced. And Golf R is honestly one of the most popular models that uh, Volkswagen makes. Very sporty, and it's essentially uh, made for performance-driven enthusiasts. This is the new generation. Uh, they're calling it the Mark 8 Golf R. So uh, this was actually revealed online. Because of that, there's obviously not that much hype about it. The Mark 8 Golf R, it's, it's very, I mean, the Golf R in general is a very popular name altogether. And there's a reason why it's the highest trend of the Golf. And what makes this car so popular too is that it has literally all the features you can want. So it's all-wheel drive. You get a 2-liter turbocharged engine, which has which for the Mark 8 has actually increased the performance now. And you get all the additional features you, that you would want in a performance car like this. It also comes in a seven speed automatic transmission with paddle shifters, also known as the DSG mm-hmm. transmission that a lot of people actually love in like these cars. But for all you manual lovers, it also comes in a six speed manual, which it's kind of rare if you think about it nowadays. You don't really see six speeds in these cars. So it's nice that Volkswagen's kind of keeping that in the mark 8 golf r and it kind of shows that you know they're really marketing this car towards enthusiasts you know Mm -hmm. people who really enjoy driving the car people who really enjoy cars in general yeah most definitely and i mean there's not many cars out there that even put a manual transmission in their cars anymore obviously uh unless it's for enthusiasts they're not putting it in there but i think it's really cool to see that the one of the you know most popular hot hatches in the world uh, is still keeping up with enthusiasts and they still want to be able to offer us enthusiasts something that we're actually going to drive, right? Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, bicker about what's better, uh, manual or auto, but I think it's really cool that they actually kept this feature still in there uh, because it, it honestly attracts those people that don't really want to buy anything but a manual. And to get into the performance of it, like I said before, they actually up the performance of this car. So it now produces 315 horsepower and 310 foot-pounds of torque, which is an increase from the 288 horsepower and 280 foot-pounds of torque from the Mark 7s, which is also coming from, I believe it's the same engine as the Mark 7s as well. Yeah, and for anyone that doesn't know, they use a MQB engine platform for this car. It's very uh, similar to its counterpart, Audi, uh, which uses the same platform. Obviously, they make adjustments towards the engine, the car, and the specs uh, specs to give it, obviously. But essentially, it's the same 2.0 turbo engine that they throw in everything. I think this one especially comes with like uh, a bigger turbo, upgraded pistons and rods, and uh, so on and so forth, right? Like It's just little things that matter for this car. Um, and the reason why uh, Volkswagen decided to even offer this car uh, when the Mark 7 came, came out uh, was essentially to compete with its uh, sister brand, which was Audi, right? And essentially, this is the cheaper version of the S3, uh, which is really cool to see that they still kept this around. We've seen it in the past where people really do opt in for the S3 over this car because it's much more, you know, luxury. Yeah, but I feel like the Golf R and like the whole Golf lineup too, it kind of has its own unique market, Yeah. right? Because like Volkswagen, they also have the Jetta, which is like sedan. You know, they don't offer like their sedan in a hatch variant as well. Mm-hmm. That's what we, which is what we see in Audi, right? Where yeah. they offer the S3 or like the RS3 in the sedan and the hatchback. I don't think that's available in North America. I believe yeah. it's only Europe. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so the Golf R, it's, it's the only performance hatch mm-hmm. that we see from this platform. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why it's so popular in North America. And I, I believe it's mainly uh, 
due to reinforce that a lot of hot hatches that are available in Europe and like other countries aren't actually available here. So a lot of people that love the hot hatches uh, just opt in for the Golf R because it's much, it's very equivalent to its competitors and its sister companies. So another big thing with the market Golf R is that they're introducing a drift mode. Mm-hmm. So we've seen this with other manufacturers like uh, high end brands like Audi and Mercedes. BMW has their own thing. And then we've seen it with Ford as well with the Focus RS. Now, the higher end brands, I believe those systems are a little bit different. They're kind of like a variable four wheel drive system. Mm-hmm. So there's an actual diff that switches from four wheel drive to two wheel drive. Mm-hmm. I believe this system is just like the Focus RS where it's an all wheel drive system mm-hmm. and it just reduces the power to the front wheels. So they haven't really gone to details. But from my understanding, the way the all-wheel drive system works on the Golf R, so they claim that 50% of the power goes to the rear, which kind of makes sense because the Golf R, or the whole Golf lineup, it's a front-wheel drive biased car. So like all the mm-hmm. other Golfs, like the GTI, the lower-end models, they're all front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. So this system, it's based on that front-wheel drive system. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they probably just cut power to the front-wheel drive, so you'll, you'll probably get a little bit of oversteer with drifting, mm-hmm. but it essentially drives most of the power to the rear. Honestly, this is pretty cool to see. I mean, Volkswagen never has actually acknowledged like performance in for enthusiasts, right? Like obviously they have like their own thing going on with like the racing segments and whatever. But I've never seen them actually give us components that let us actually use our car to the fullest, right? I think that's why this is pretty cool to us um, in terms of enthusiasts because we've actually never seen this before. Uh, they've never actually given us a drift mode. So yeah, again, pretty cool to see that they're, uh, you know, giving enthusiasts what they want. Honestly, I feel like this feature is going to be trash. <laughs> like just because of the way the all-wheel drive system performs, like yeah. with 50% of the power directed to the rear, mm-hmm. like it's not going to be that great. Like if you think mm-hmm. about it, like you're only getting 50% of the power to the rear wheels, yeah. right? From like that 350 horsepower engine. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how well this is going to work. You know, they also say that this is not designed for public roads yeah so it's kind of like how ford doesn't want people to use that drift mode in the focus rs mm-hmm. so i don't know I don't, it, I don't know how i feel about this yeah i i feel like uh when you use it right they know that you used it and they'll void your warranty like because i'm pretty sure that's what ford did as well with their focus rs if anyone used their sy- that system the drift mode uh, they would actually just void the warranty because they used it all together. So if anything happens to the car in the future, yeah, you can't get any work done under warranty. Yeah, it probably damages the system in some way because yeah. at the end of the day, it's an all-wheel drive system. Mm-hmm. You know, From my understanding, all they're doing is limiting power mm-hmm. to the front wheels, which probably damages the system like over time if you continuously use it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that kind of makes sense. But they're also continuing with the special mode or the Nürburgring mm-hmm. mode, mm-hmm. which you've seen in the past Golf R's, which essentially is like the highest end performance mode of the car. You know, it switches it to manual shifting. You know, you can turn off the ESC or like the traction control and all that to get mm-hmm. maximum performance out of the car. So in terms of the interior, comparative to the uh, 2019 Golf R, it's obviously a huge step up, uh, but it's actually very, very basic compared to you know a lot of the other cars that we're seeing come out where stuff like the tesla has a huge screen in the middle uh, with everything integrated into it in terms of the golf r it's they kept it very basic obviously they kept it all leather seating uh kept it very sporty you know they kept the color scheme very intact with the the exterior the biggest change i think is the dash 
they went from you know like the basic front dash where which we've kind of seen in all like the last two to three generations of Volkswagen uh, cars they've actually moved towards a much more modern design um, obviously it's more of a heads-up display kind of thing going on uh, with the infotainment system integrated into it and the climate control integrated into it I think this is a very obviously modern thing to do but I think they're a little bit behind on technology and we've actually seen a lot other a lot more other brands actually do this like two or three years before right so Obviously, they're a bit late to the game. In terms of the the shifter, uh, they've converted it to a much more smaller shifter. They haven't converted to buttons as of yet, uh, but it seems like they're trying to minimize or maximize the space inside the car, uh, which, I mean, the shifter took a lot of space up, so it kind of makes sense uh, why they're, you know, downsizing it and uh, giving us much more room to, you know, hold, uh, keep our phone, our, our sunglasses, everything inside so that we can actually use the space. Yeah, we've seen like a lot of manufacturers, you know, kind of convert from the traditional mechanical shifter to electronic shifter. So I'm not really surprised that they kind of went this route. Mm -hmm. But like you said, like it's probably to save space. Mm -hmm. But like this car also comes in a seven speed manual. So if the pictures we're looking at right now is an automatic. I don't know how the manual will look. It'll probably take up a lot more space than mm -hmm. the automatic right. shifter yeah. is in this Mark 8. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. We'll have to see. But aside from that, like the interior, I really like the interior. I like how they kind of continued the color scheme from the outside inside. So like, I, I'm guessing the signature color here is blue. So there's a lot of like blue accents on the inside. Yeah. It looks like there's some nice accent lighting as well, which yeah. is really nice. Mm -hmm. I, I like a lot of manufacturers are kind of integrating that into it. Um, it kind of reminds me of a Honda, like the new Honda Civics. Yeah. Where it like... It has like the speedometer, like the driver's screen. And then right next to that is like the infotainment, climate control, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I definitely see where Audi's kind of inspired this design. You know, mm -hmm. we've seen with the newer Audi's where it's all seamless, you know, like the climate controls and events seamlessly integrate with the entire design. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. So, I mean, they are kind of late to the party, I would say, yeah. like you said. But I think after, you know, Audi's been experimenting with this design, they probably they probably developed this design that works well after testing like other designs and you know they decided to implement this into Volkswagen so we'll probably see this design continue into like the newer Volkswagens mm -hmm. which I think it's a positive it looks really nice and it kind of adds a more luxurious touch than what the older Golf R had. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, as I said, they're a little bit late to the party, but again, it's better late than never, right? Uh, th this design has obviously gotten very popular throughout the, you know, the last couple of years. All right, so moving on to the exterior of the car, this is one part where we haven't seen a whole lot of change, yeah. which is probably for the better because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people really love the look of the Golf R yeah. and the Golf lineup in general, mm -hmm. right? Like we don't see a lot of hatchbacks in the market nowadays. And I think Golf and Volkswagen... They really nailed the design mm -hmm. on the Golf line over the past couple of years. Yeah. And they kind of continued that into this new Mark 8. Starting off, they, they really redesigned the rear end and the front end of the car. Mm -hmm. From the front end, like, it kind of looks like a Corolla to me. Mm -hmm. That's what it reminds me of. Like, they redesigned yeah. the headlights. Yeah. And it has, I mean, it, it has a lot going on. I'll, I'll say that. I think the first thing I said uh, when I looked at it, it looks retarded. And, like, it's essentially nothing compared nothing of a Volkswagen like it does not look like anything that Volkswagen would ever do to it and I think they're just trying to follow a trend uh, of making a very aggressive front end which they kind of already had in the Mark 7 I feel like they could have just taken the front end of the Mark 7 uh, really updated it to make it look more modern and 
been fine. I think they kind of messed up uh, with this facelift or whatever you may call it. It's not that great. And yeah, you're right. It kind of does look like a Corolla. Yeah, you see like the market nowadays, people are really aggressive with their designing. And mm-hmm. you kind of see that with this Volkswagen, like the front end. Aside from like the headlights, you know, it still looks like a Volkswagen. It has like distinct characteristics that kind of remind you of a Volkswagen and the Golf lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, right down to the fenders where it has like the the vents and it has like the R logo in it. Oh. The aluminum mirror caps, you know, th- that's something we've seen on a lot of Audis and Volkswagens, which is kind of signature to their look. And then around the back, first thing I noticed is that the taillights, they redesigned them and it looks very much like an Audi taillight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously they've kept like certain things in there that are very similar to the Mark 7, but they've added like little s- slight touches that make it look a little bit better. You're right, it does look like a naughty, but uh, I think they've really kept the Volkswagen look in the rear end as well, especially with the rear spoiler and the exhaust tips. It kind of, it still has little touches of the Mark 7 in it. Yeah, and this Mark 8, it also has a new signature hatch that has the Golf R logo right below the Volkswagen logo too. Mm-hmm. So that's new, something that we've never seen in the Golf R lineup. And like Ranjo said, like I, I feel like they're really aggressive in the rear. Like the roof spoiler, it looks like it's extended more than mm-hmm. the Mark 7 and also has a more aggressive diffuser mm-hmm. that goes around the quad tips that they have there as well, which, I mean, it looks good, but I think it's a little too aggressive mm-hmm. for the Golf R, especially considering the front end is not as aggressive as this. So speaking of the Audi, we're actually gonna jump to something that Audi just released, the RS e-tron GT. So as you could tell by the name, this is this is Audi's version of their electric performance vehicle. Uh, it comes with the all-wheel drive, dual motor, and it produces uh, 637 horsepower with 612 foot-pounds of torque. It, it'll do zero to 60 in about three and a half seconds. So this car, we've seen the e-tron GT before. We haven't seen a whole lot of information about it. Mm -hmm. Audi's been very limited with what they're releasing about that car. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually surprised that they announced the RS version of that car before the e-tron GT is even released Mm -hmm. in general, right? That car, obviously the RS version of it, it's it's the highest performing variant of that car. Mm -hmm. So this is what a lot of like enthusiasts and a lot of like people who are into speed and performance will kind of go towards and obviously you know the numbers speak for themselves like this is a high performance car mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are going to compare this to the porsche take on yeah because they're so similar and they're actually developed alongside each other so they share similar charging platforms and battery configurations and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but they're all they're also different in their own way whereas you know the power is a little bit different the interior exterior obviously and the whole driving experience is kind of tuned towards Audi's lineup. So similar to the Porsche Taycan, the GT uh, also has air suspension with adaptive dampering, uh, which allows for the car to adjust while you're driving in the certain drive modes. So this car is going to come with a 93.4 kilowatt hour battery as a standard. Mm -hmm. There's no actual range announced. So because obviously this car is still in development, you know, they're probably fine in tuning that for performance, obviously, because that's kind of what this car is marketed towards. It's a high performance car. And obviously because it's electric, you know, the batteries are stored beneath the floor. So that allows it to have a lower center of gravity than the Audi R8. I think Audi has realized that a lot of the people that are getting into sports cars especially are growing out of it because they end up getting families as well. So just as an entry level, I think this is a really good platform for Audi to get into because they know that this will actually sell because essentially people want to be able to fit all their family members in the car when they drive. Besides that, I mean, it's very, uh, as you said, it's very similar to the Porsche Taycan. 
and I don't really see a big difference with it. Obviously, look besides the looks and obviously specific performance components but there are key components like the drivetrain that are essentially a Porsche Taycan and I think because uh, Volkswagen owns all these companies they're essentially sharing all their information with each other and it's really cool to see that even though they're competitors they're still you know giving a lot of the technology that Porsche develops or Audi develops to each other so that they can actually sell some more vehicles. Yeah and it also shares the same charging platform as well so the RS e-tron GT also supports that 800 volt fast charging so both cars will be able to use the same charger you know if the Porsche charging network were to expand you know Audi can kind of tap into that as well and you could you know charge your car through that network as well there's also a four-wheel steering system available which can turn the rear wheels up to three degrees in opposite directions at low speeds or in the same directions at high speeds which is something that we haven't really seen in cars like these like obviously they turn like rear wheels are designed for decreasing the turning radius of cars but in this case you know it could actually help in lane changes as well yeah i think this will be great for performance and you know for the everyday driver as well in terms of design this rs version is very similar to the e-tron gt that we've seen in the past um, from the pictures we're looking at it has like this really aggressive livery on the car which is obviously designed for motorsports you know because the car is still in development there's not a whole lot of final pictures available but from the pictures we have it definitely looks very similar to the Porsche Taycan um, obviously because they're built on the same platform you know the body shape and general exterior design is going to be very similar but it definitely shares a lot of distinct features that we've seen in Audi, specifically the RS6, the new Avant. I see a lot of those features, especially in the front end, mm-hmm. where the RS e-tron GT shares a lot of those similarities. Yeah, again, I mean, it still looks like an Audi, right? You can see a lot of uh, key features from other past models in in this e-tron but i think the uh, the rare lights especially you can see a lot of like the key features from an audi in this but i i really like that they changed up the rare lights i mean it's cool i love how audis look but they got too repetitive like every single car looks the same and I think it's really key that with the e-tron, they want it to look different. And I think that's what essentially they're going to do with this car, even though it is an Audi and uh, even though it's like supposed to look elegant and, you know, very stylish. I think them changing the design and changing it up for the consumers will be very key, especially uh, for the rarity of this car, because uh, obviously uh, when it first comes out, it, there's going to be huge demand for it because of the rarity of it. So obviously over the last couple months, we've seen a lot of releases from manufacturers all over the world bringing out fully electric cars, hybrids, gasoline powered cars, and we're seeing the market kind of shift towards those electric cars. We've seen a lot of countries around the world kind of introducing these new bans that they want to ban the sale of brand new gasoline powered cars by like a certain year. I think one of the earliest I've seen is 2030, mm-hmm. right? So we're seeing a lot of manufacturers kind of shift their focus towards electric cars. And in the car community, a lot of people aren't really a fan of this. Obviously, we like our big V8 engines, you know, the the sounds of our cars, all that kind of stuff. And that's like a huge absent in electric cars. So it's kind of interesting to see where the market kind of shifts in the next couple of years, Mm -hmm. especially because I feel like this year we've been talking a fair amount. I'll say like a 50-50 split between the new releases of electric cars and gasoline powered cars. Yeah, and in, in terms of gasoline cars, obviously they've had a huge head start right like i mean gasoline cars have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years right so they've obviously had an advantage over electric cars there's it's 
widely accessible. You can there's a gas station everywhere, and it's essentially uh, a very common thing, right? I think that uh, one of the main components about electric cars that's r- how you actually. Uh, get the product right i mean with gasoline cars uh, you go to a gas station fill it up right with electric cars it's much harder to do so right like you have to actually uh, go and charge your car and if you're in the middle of nowhere where like they don't have any charging stations then you're kind of screwed right and it, it, that can be a barrier for a lot of people uh when when they go to purchase their car yeah, I think the biggest step into an electric car is the range. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like a gasoline car, you, there's gas stations at every corner, right? Mm-hmm. So you could always fill up your car whenever you need to. But in an electric car, the range is what really determines how far you can go, right? Because the electric car charging network is not as robust as you know mm-hmm. gas stations that we've seen all over the country. It kind of limits to where you're where you can travel to. And especially with the because the electric cars are so new, a lot of these manufacturers they kind they don't really have impressive range on their cars, especially like the lower end models. So it kind of limits to where you're allowed to go or where you can go in general. But I think over the next couple of years, you know, when companies start to announce more electric cars, and you know, the government's gonna start funding these projects where they're gonna introduce electric charging at more places. You know, we've already seen them at malls and shopping centers and all that kind of stuff. I think only then. People will kind of see the convenience where they can, you know, go to the mall, get their car charged up while they're shopping, and they're ready to go when they're done. I think another key component, especially when someone goes to purchase a car and they have the choice between electric or gasoline, is efficiency. So with gasoline engines, we really see, uh, we've actually seen uh, the engines really develop over the time. Um, manufacturers have actually uh, put a lot of money into research and development so that they can build a very efficient engine that can you know withstand mileage Uh, there are electric cars out there that have already done that like the tesla model s but honestly that goes to show that with uh, electric motors we can actually develop a much more efficient way of you know keeping every everything renewable right so i mean if the tesla has already reached that mileage Obviously, there are other ways to actually make it much more efficient, like motors, stuff like that. So gasoline engines have obviously peaked, you know, the range and how how much efficiency they can actually get out of a single motor. Uh, but I think it's really cool to see that electric cars are going to actually top the ranges of most cars. And honestly, if gasoline engines cannot uh, can, you know, keep getting more efficient which they obviously can't i just feel like electric cars are just gonna keep booming and until gas powered engines are just you know completely extinct yeah and even to this day we've seen electric cars come out that are comparable or even better performing and have a longer range than gasoline powered cars like the tesla like the porsche take on you know we've seen it from lucid even pickup trucks from the hummer ev these cars they're rivaling their gasoline powered equivalents and you know they're overperforming those cars as well and especially with the range too like it's crazy to think that in 2020 our electric cars are already comparable to our regular gas powered cars right mm-hmm. so i think at this point like what a lot of manufacturers are trying to do is to try to bring that performance and range mm-hmm. down to an affordable level yeah. right and only then we'll see a huge spike in the electric car market and where a lot of people will start to convert over from gasoline powered to fully electric. Mm-hmm. I think the main main thing is keeping the performance and range pretty high. I mean, we've seen it with gasoline engines. Either it's it's good on performance, right? Which then means that they're not good on gas anymore. Or they're amazing on gas, but the performance sucks, right? But I feel like with electric motors, 
or electric cars in general, uh, we're going to see a lot more vehicles come out that can do a bit of both, right? And I think that's really key, uh, especially for a lot of automobile owners. They don't really like to drive slow cars, so to speak, because it's really boring, right? I mean, for enthusiasts in general, we're not getting into electric cars just because we have this, you know, thought in our in our mind that, you know, electric cars are slow, right? Which when the Tesla first came out, uh, it completely blew everyone's mind because it could actually handle, right? And we're going to keep seeing that as years go on, uh, as more ve- or as more manufacturers bring out cars uh, that are electric that can actually handle as well. In terms of enthusiasts, I don't think the car community is really going to switch over anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Especially, Even though, you know, electric cars, they're very attractive with their performance models available. Mm-hmm. Enthusiasts want the big engines, you know, they want to hear the engine, you know, especially with the manual transmissions. People want to be able to interact with the car, right? And to remove all those features that people really love mm-hmm. in a car, it's kind of going to like remove the experience of you know driving in general especially for enthusiasts who just enjoy driving their cars you know if they're modifying them whatever they're doing to the cars right it's because it's gasoline power you know you get all the advantages of a gasoline power car obviously efficiency is probably not the greatest on on a lot of cars that we like to drive right but you you know you get a lot of the power out of it that you want and it's a lot cheaper than getting an electric car but I could definitely see more experienced car builders and car enthusiasts kind of jumping on that train. Those kind of people who've been building cars over like the past couple of decades, you know, they've had their experience with all types of cars. They're definitely going to jump on this train of electric cars, especially with the performance that mm-hmm. they're offering right now. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, obviously, uh, when it comes to performance, right? Engines aren't the best to maintain, right? Like uh, I, I've heard of like professional race car drivers or drifters having to build their their engines every season, and I think that's one of the main downsides of uh, engines itself uh, because they aren't one of the best to actually race with. And if obviously electric cars uh, can keep up their maintenance, you know, low maintenance, and we don't end up having to pay you know huge bills for changing batteries and so on. I think in general, we can see a huge overtake of professional drivers, especially uh, jumping on to electric cars and instead of gas powered vehicles, which I mean, is a good, good and bad thing. Obviously, that means that there's going to be less performance gasoline cars. But that also goes to show that, you know, we're we're going to be getting electric cars anyways. So, I mean, it's good to explore nonetheless. Yeah, we're definitely going to see an uptick in amount of electric cars that we're going to be seeing on the road in the next couple of years. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the general community reacts to that because of, you know, how under established that whole charging network is like we talked about and, you know, how expensive these cars are too, you know, like they were mm-hmm. like when they first came out, there were a lot of government incentives because the government wanted people to switch to these hybrid and fully electric cars. But I believe a lot of those incentives are now over. Mm-hmm. So you're, basically paying full price or you know listed price for these cars which is a lot of money but at the end of the day electric cars are the future from what i see right now i think it's going to be a fairly 50 50 split mm-hmm. in probably the next decade for what we see you know a lot of people are going to s- stick with gasoline powered cars mainly enthusiasts like i said but also people who really just don't see the benefits of getting an electric car especially for the price they have to pay but only time will tell how quickly the electric car market picks up and you know what the future holds for that so next up is 
car of the week. So this week's car of the week is a very local builder to us. Uh, his name is Farid. Uh, he owns a 2003 Lexus IS300, but this is a one-of-a-kind IS300 because this comes with a 2JZ GTE twin turbo. I'm guessing he fully built a 2JZ a motor uh, from a Toyota Supra. Yeah, so we've both been following this build for a while now. Um, you know, we've seen him at countless car shows, car meets, all that kind of stuff. Um, really cool guy. His car is really impressive. Like, I, he just got it wrapped in this really nice high gloss red mm -hmm. and it looks really good like it has a really subtle wide body kit on it you know it has a big wing on it some nice three-piece wheels and obviously you know the beast under the hood the 2jz i think it's tuned to like almost 500 horsepower to the wheels yeah which is you know pretty typical what we see with people building these engines right and you know all around it's just a really nice show car stance car and you know it actually performs really well too yeah i think it's more of a show car for him uh, I mean, we we mainly see him at a car sh a car shows. We don't actually sh see him actually tracking the car. But I think it's really uh, good to see someone going like full fully out on this car. I uh, don't really see it often. We've seen like bacon builds and like you know half as IS three hundreds as drift cars. But this is like a full out show car, right? So like he went out all out on like the um, engine. Obviously, the the he just recently got a wrap done to it as well. Um, and I think that's the one of the main things that kind of attracted us to this car. Yeah, it definitely stands out in its own way. Like you said, like we don't really see a lot of IS300 builds in the yeah. GTA. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like the real, what the one real show car yeah. of this platform, right? Definitely. So it's really nice to see that someone has really invested a lot of money into the platform and kind of built a really one-off build mm -hmm. in the GTA. Yeah. And like the owner obviously has on air suspension, which means, you know, it's kind of a show car. Uh, it's just, for, I'm guessing for the owner, it's just to build something that he dreamt of uh, going all out in it, right? Still having the engine pieces there, but also being it very clean to show it off to the people that in the, for the future generation to see uh, what you can do with the, the 2JZ motor. But yeah, this is honestly, uh, when, while I was growing up, one of my favorite builds out there. He honestly put everything into this car and he keeps on going and you know wowing everyone uh with his uh you know updates but yeah uh, again that's our car of the week and yeah let us know what you guys think about this segment and the show in general uh hit us up at northside whips on facebook and instagram or email us if you guys have any suggestions for topics and or um any ideas at northsidewhips at gmail.com if you want to check out any of the stuff we talked about today check out the show notes we'll have everything linked there including the car of the week definitely check that out it's one of our favorites and once again thank you guys for listening every single week we greatly appreciate that and we'll see you guys next week for actually our final episode of the season so definitely stay tuned for that yeah definitely and see you guys next week bye